So uh, last week we started a series uh, called How to Erase Your Past. How to Erase Your Past and Live a Shame-Free Life. How many want to erase your past and live a shame-free life? Uh, some of you out there want that. Has the enemy ever tried to accuse you of your past? Yes, he taunts and he does all kinds of things. So I'm going to just do a real small recap as we uh, start today. I'll get going on. The, I want to read a scripture. If you have your Bibles with you today out of Colossians chapter 1, we're going to read that again that we read last week. And then I'm going to launch deeper into this because the way we, re the way we erase our past and live a shame-free life is not the way the world does it but it is truly through the powerful blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we're going to dive into that lesson today and go deeper today. But I want to share this scripture here out of Colossians 1.19 to remind us where we started last week, and I've under, underlined a few words. But uh, we're going to... The, the, the message today, I really believe, is a powerful message that is so foundational for the believer in Christ that this foundation is one foundation that if you don't have this revelation that we're going to talk about today, then what you build on top of it will be like uh, sand. It won't be a healthy foundation. And so today, it's, it's, a, it's a foundation of our faith and what we believe as Christians, but many, many Christians don't understand what I'm going to talk about today. And I believe God is going to bring a spirit of revelation and he's going to have us over this next week to begin to marinate or meditate on these truths that I'm sharing today. So I hope if you take your bulletin out, there's even place on the back of your bulletin to take notes because I, I'm praying that what you do today is not just hear a message and then leave and do not apply it this week. But this is a what I call a water truth. It takes a while to soak in. It takes a while to soak in. It takes pondering. It takes meditating. It takes chewing on it and asking God for illumination. Even this week as I was studying, I was just, there was this, this thing where the Lord would not let me go further in studying. He just required me to just sit and ponder what he was speaking to my heart. And so today we're going to kind of dive into that and get some truth. Anybody want some truth in your heart? Yeah. Amen. We don't want to live out of our head. We want to live out of our heart, right? And we want the revelation, the, the knowledge to move from knowledge to revelation. Amen? And so let's read this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ, and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross once you were alienated, from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, everybody say now. now. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Everybody say amen. amen. And so last week we began to talk about that there are benefits to this, that as a believer in Christ, as we have surrendered our life to Jesus, there are tremendous benefits that we receive as Christians from this scripture and from this truth. And so we're going to dive into that this week. And, but last week what I did is I talked about how the, that Christ's blood literally satisfied holiness. Christ's 
blood that was shed on the cross satisfied holiness. We were able to become or have peace, as this scripture says, peace with God came through the blood of Jesus Christ, is what this scripture is saying. That his blood that was shed on the cross brought you reconciliation, it brought you peace through his blood. Everybody say, I have peace with God. Through the blood of Jesus. Amen. Once you were alienated and enemies in your minds is what the scripture says, but now something has changed. And today we're going to go a little deeper into really the benefits of the blood of Jesus and what does it mean. And I want to help us gain a revelation about the blood of Jesus this week and next week. I want to help us to gain a revelation about the precious blood of Jesus. I know there are faiths out there that go, man, the Christianity is all about the blood, the blood in the Old Testament, the blood in the New Testament. Why are they so fixated on blood? Well, today we're going to talk about blood. <laughs> Everybody's got it running through your veins, and if you didn't have blood, guess what? You would be dead, 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 dead. And so we're going to talk today about the value that God placed on blood and we're going to and it's going to make sense by the time I get to the end, okay? So that's where we're going today. So we're going to we're going to talk about the blood and we're going to talk about its significance and the revelation of it because I want to break off insecurity and I want to break off shame. I want to break off guilt because guilt and shame literally keep you in bondage. If you walk in guilt and shame and condemnation and insecurity about your past or your present sin, you will not fulfill the destiny of God on your life. You will shrink back every time that God calls you to do something great. You will feel insecure. You will have guilt. You will have shame. And you will not press into the things that God has for you because you think you are not qualified. You will think, because of what I've done, I cannot obtain greatness in God. I can't do great things for God. I can't do certain things. If shame rides you like a pony, if guilt rides you like a pony, you will not fulfill the destiny of God upon your life. You won't. And so I really believe that the, the foundational truth that I'm going to begin to share today, really, we are going to give shame and guilt and condemnation. We are going to kick butt today. Mm. We are going to kick butt with truth. We are going to kick butt with the word of God. We're going to kick butt because the enemy has been riding the body of Christ for way too long. And all of us have dealt with it. We know the cycle of sin. Are we all familiar with the cycle of sin in our life? We realize that, wow, there is a cycle of sin in every one of our lives today. There are certain things you struggle with and I struggle with. We all have struggles in our life, do we not? All of us have fallen short of the precious glory of God. But yet, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so your struggle might be different. You might struggle with alcohol. You might struggle with drugs. You might struggle with sexual perversion. You might struggle with eating too much food. You may struggle with all kinds of whatever you struggle with. The struggle is real. The fight is real. We are in a war. And we are going to win. And we are winning. 
and we're making progress. But we know the cycle of sin. Sin enters into our lives through disobedience to God. God has righteous standards. God has a way that he desires his people to live. Is that not true? Some people are really shaky on that and they don't realize that, but God does have ways that he wants his people to live. And the cycle of sin, we, we sin, and when we sin in our life, what is the first thing that shows up in you when you sin? Boy, you guys are quick. You've been there before. The very first thing that shows up when I do something willfully against my God, immediately guilt shows up. It comes knocking on my door real fast. Anybody else? And what happens when you feel guilty? What did Adam and Eve do whenever they were guilty? They hid from God. And they made what Chris Gore says, they made a fakini. A fakini. A bathing suit with fig leaves. So just imagine a fakini. They began to clothe their nakedness. They began to clothe their shame in their own self-righteousness. They tried to make penance with God through their own strength and through their own ability. Through making a fakini. But we all know sin creates this immediate separation between us and God. I mean, when it comes, I mean, I have been on that bench. I've been on that place where it's like, I begin to say things about myself that are not true. It's like, you stupid, what are you thinking? Anybody been there? You know better than this. And I, oh, the self-accusation and the guilt and the shame of my own heart is right there before me. And it's like sometimes you get to a place where you've struggled in certain areas so far, so long you go, why try? Just give it up to the wind and just give yourself to it. Yeah. And it doesn't work because you're still there. That separation between you and God is still there. And as a believer in Christ, God says, I want to break down that separation, that barrier that stands between you and I. I have a, I have a solution for you. And so guilt gives rise to a barrier in our fellowship, doesn't it? And we, there's things like we quit going to church, we quit hanging around Christian people, we kind of hide and kind of seclude ourselves. All of a sudden, hmm, haven't seen somebody for three or four weeks. It's like, I wonder what's going on in their life. Man, I miss them. Anybody been there? And so here's what begins to happen. This withdrawal begins to happen in a Christian, and we begin to hide. And our conscience, which is now guilty, we now have to, to deal with the guilty conscience. And the sin gives ground not only to a guilty conscience inside of us, but it also gives way to the accuser, the sa Satan who is our accuser, it also gives place to him to now give you accusation and now to also begin to hound you as well. He begins knocking on your strings and he begins to tell you how low you are as well. The Bible says in Revelations 12, 11, that the accuser literally accuses the brethren day and night. How about you? Are you ready to shut his mouth? Amen. Amen. 
And so it gives way to the, the accuser. It gives way to our own guilty and our own consciousness. And we begin to do some stupid things as guilt begins to work its way in us. And we begin to say, I have sinned. And we begin to go through this. And many people then begin to deal with sin in many different ways. Many people, they hide from God. Many times people try to get back to reading the word every day, praying every day. They go through all these penance and, and these, these rituals trying to get back into approval with God. And guess what? It doesn't work. And so you know the war of the mind that goes on with sin. And the battle that rages when you sin against God. And even in, in Romans 7, Paul describes this battle of sin. We're not going to go there today, but you know the scripture in Romans 7 where Paul is saying, man, I don't want to do the thing that I'm doing, but the very thing I do, I keep on doing. And he talks about this war that's going on inside of him. And he comes down to the end of that passage in Romans 7, and he says, who will rescue me from this body of death? Who will rescue me from this war of sin and death that's inside of me? And he declares, it is through life in Christ Jesus that I am set free Amen. from the law of sin and death. And so we, we, we all are familiar with this battle of sin that we all deal with. There is not one person in this room today that sin hasn't even touched you this week. Every one of us are guilty. However, God did something, and we're going to talk about what God did. And we're going to talk today about the value that God places on the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're going to set a foundation secure in our foundation of truth of the Word of God. We're going to set some things straight on what it is that God has done for us. Can I have an amen on that? Because God redeemed, he, he set out to redeem us and to buy us back. God set out to redeem us and buy us back. God set out to redeem you and buy you back. I'm going to say it again. God did something. He set out to buy you and to redeem you back into fellowship with him everybody say glory hallelujah for that the lord jesus had to do something with this issue of sin guilt and the accusation of the enemy sin guilt and accusation jesus had to do something with that because throughout eternity throughout this time since adam and eve have fallen you have inherited a sin nature you have inherited a nature that was from adam but you now have a different nature that you have from Christ. Even my children, when they were young, they knew what sin was. As Joel would hide his vitamins in the heat register of the, the Florida room because he did not want to take his vitamin. He knew he was going against a, 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 a principle that my wife was, was having him do. And when we moved from the Strawn area to Newcastle, we found a huge glob of vitamins <laughs> molded in our heat register. And he would hide those, and he hid his sin. 
I can remember as a child, I knew what sin was even though my mom and dad didn't tell me what sin was because the law of God had been written on my heart. Thank God it had been written on my heart. And it's written on your heart as well. Amen? Our sins first had to be dealt with, our guilt had to be dealt with, and our guilty conscience had to be dealt with. And the attack of Satan's accusations also had to be dealt with by God and by Christ. And so we're going to look at that. So to do this, we must understand something. And it comes not through knowledge by itself. It comes from knowledge of the word, yes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, amen. It comes through knowledge that turns into revelation. It's like when the light bulb comes on and you go, oh, now I understand. It's like when you're studying algebra and you can't do algebra, you come home and you're frustrated with algebra and then something goes click and you go, now I understand algebra. And some of you are going to go, I never understood algebra. (laughs) The light bulb never came on. But to do this, to deal with sin and to deal with guilt and a guilty conscience and to shut the mouth of the enemy against you, we have to understand how God values the blood of Jesus Christ. That's where we're going to go today. We're going to talk about how the blood was for God, not for you. We are going to go and we're going to dive into How is it that God sees the blood of Jesus Christ? And we're going to find out exactly what God had intended. And we must learn how to appropriate this value that God places on the blood, and we need to learn how to appropriate it for ourselves in our own life. We must have a revelation knowledge of the fact that the death of Jesus Christ as a substitute for you You deserve to be on the cross, right? But it's substitutionary. He substituted himself for you. Amen? And we have to have a clear understanding of the power and the completeness of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's where we're going to dive into that revelation today. And we're going to go through some scriptures. I hope you're going to take some notes. But I'm going to pray right now that God would open our hearts. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for illumination today. I ask God that you would release a spirit of wisdom and revelation right now over our hearts. God, would you begin to download revelation into every believer here today? Would you begin to show us the value that you have placed, Father, on the blood of Jesus Christ? Would you begin to show us by revelation, by understanding that, God, we would begin to get a picture of what you intended, that we would begin to understand what you were trying to say to us so that, God, we can place this deep in our heart as an anchor, as an anchor, as a security in knowing, God, that you are satisfied. So, Father, we thank you for that. And we just ask for a release of your presence over this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's go to another scripture. We're going to go to Romans today, and we're going to start unpacking the word of God. So uh, God's going to demonstrate something to us right here. Amen. So in Romans 5, 8 through 9, we, we love this passage. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. 
Even today, prophetically, the Spirit of God moved in our worship service, and God again reminded us of his great love for us. And he demonstrated that love in this scripture. He said, I demonstrate that love that I have for you in this. While we were all still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, everybody say, justified by his blood. Say, I am now justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So we're going to unpack this a little bit. But clearly, the scripture is making some powerful truths to you about what the blood of Jesus did for you. The benefit that the blood of Jesus did for you. And what is that? I am now justified by his blood. And I am saved from the wrath of God. The word wrath there in the Greek means punishment. That you are saved from the punishment of God. Anybody glad that you're not going to get punished by God? I don't know about you, and that'll make you do a curly shuffle. Second scripture in Romans 3, I want to point out, because we're going to go back to these words. These words mean something. I'm going to unpack some words, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to talk about why. The next scripture is out of Romans 3, 24. And it says, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ. God presented Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. To be received by what? To be received by faith. He did this, again, to demonstrate something. He did to demonstrate his righteousness, not my righteousness. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at this present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. To justify those who have faith in Jesus Christ. To justify those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Anybody out there got faith in Jesus? Yes. Hopefully our faith is going to increase even more today. That's the, that's the goal. Denny Kramer prophesied actually over somebody else. And he was prophesying in December, on December 5th of last year. He prophesied over, I believe it was Brian and Sarah Hughes. Or maybe it was Jeff. I don't can't remember. Anyway, one of the Hughes family. And then in the middle of prophesying, he said, now, Eric, you need to do this. <laughs> and he began to prophesy, and he said, Eric, you need to preach about the blood of Jesus. He said, 30 or 40% of your congregation does not understand the value of the blood of Jesus. And they need to know the blood of Jesus. They need to understand what the blood is all about. And that's what this message series is all about. We're honoring the prophetic word that God spoke through a prophet to declare what we need to do. Amen? And so we got to understand that the words justified, redemption, atonement, shedding of blood by faith, all these words mean something very powerful. They're powerful benefits to you and I. And so we're going to unpack, first off, this word justified. 
Does anybody think they know what justified means? I know when I was growing up, they always would say the phrase, it's just as if you'd never sinned. In our culture right now, I justify all kinds of stuff. I justify why I don't exercise. I justify why I don't do certain things. Matter matter of fact, some people in our culture, they justify everything away. And therefore, I'm not responsible. I'm not accountable. I don't have to do it. Well, that's not what this word is talking about. Okay, so what is justified? It's to declare you innocent or guiltless. To absolve, to acquit. The Greek word to be justified there literally means to be or become judicially vindicated as having complied with the requirements of the law of God. This is a judicial term. The court in Henry County, Judge Witham would say, you are not guilty of the crime that you committed. Judicially, it has been set in judicially, but it still has to be accessed. It still has to be applied by you, but the uh, the verdict has been made about everyone in this room. If you are in faith in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, judicially, you have been made holy. You have been made guiltless. You have been made innocent as if you have complied with all the Ten Commandments, that you have complied with not having uh, crap in your heart, that you have missed the mark, that you sinned, all that kind of stuff. That is what justified means. Does anybody like that word? Does that seem like a benefit? And God says it's because of the blood that you've been given that. See, the blood has to do with your standing before God. Wednesday, we had a water baptismal where about five people were getting water baptized. And I thought Eric Morgan was going to preach my message. (laughs) As he shared a short message about water baptism. Because water baptism speaks of his death, burial, and resurrection, right? Well, let's go a little further into the benefits of what the blood, it means be about the blood, the other benefits. Redemption, the word redemption means to buy back or pay off. Clear by payment. Full redemption, full salvation. Because of what? Atonement, another word that was used in that scripture. It means satisfaction or reparation. For a wrong or injury, amends, the doctrine concerning the reconciliation of God and man. That Christ's blood made atonement for you. He bought you back. He paid you off. My house is free and clear. Imagine, I mean, and I realize this, that in our culture, the only thing that we have to understand this is money, it seems like. I mean, if you owe $60,000 on your house, and somebody actually redeemed that for you and paid it off, would you be a little excited today? Sometimes I think we'd be more excited about the house being paid off than we are excited about what the blood of Jesus did for us. But 
it is a relative term in our culture. That your debts are wiped clean. Wow. That I've been atoned for by the blood of Jesus. Another term that this uses is the word reconciled or to be reconciled means to be or become restored to favorable or friendly relations with another after a presumed wrong. Oh, wow. What would we have if our relationships in the church and our husbands and our wives and our children, what if? We could get the power behind what we're talking today so that the power of reconciliation could come to all of our relationships. That actually we've been given the ministry of reconciliation in the church. That actually we should be the most reconciling bunch because we have this revelation of what the blood of Jesus has purchased for you. (laughs) Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. So all of this by the blood of Jesus, <clears throat> you get this if you're a believer and it is freely given. But I don't think we believe it. I don't think we believe it. You guys are awful. question I have for you today is this. Who are you being declared innocent to? Who are you being bought back for? Who are, who are you being atoned back to? Who's looking favorably upon you now as a friend? why but why is God looking favorably upon you why is God atoning for you why is God reconciling you back to himself why is God doing this because of the blood the blood makes you innocent the blood purchased you back the blood atoned for your sin the blood makes you looked upon favorably by God the blood makes you a friend of God the blood of Jesus Christ See, the blood first has to do with my standing before God. The blood makes my standing before God right. The blood has been for God. Listen, the blood has been for God. It's always been for God. The blood is what satisfied the Father's wrath. The blood has tremendous value to God. And that's where I want to go today.
Why is the blood so valuable to God? Why is the blood what it took to purchase you back? Why is the blood so important to the Father? Because if we don't understand the value that the Father places on the blood, we won't be able to apply it correctly to our lives. See, we need forgiveness from our sins, yes. And if we don't receive, if we don't receive the forgiveness from our sins, we are separated from God and we are alienated from God and we will face judgment. We will face punishment without Christ's blood applied. The blood means something to God. And in and, and Watchman Nee's book, he said this, and I, I love this, and so I'm just going to read it. In Watchman Nee's book, it says, If I want to understand the value of the blood of Jesus, I must accept God's valuation of the blood. And if I do not know something of the value set upon the blood of God, the, by the, the blood by God, I shall never know what the blood's value is for me. It is only as the estimate that God puts upon the blood of Christ is made known to me by the Holy Spirit that I come into the good of it myself and find how precious indeed the blood is for me. Mm. Even in Hebrews, it says in Hebrews 10, 19, we have confidence <coughs> excuse me, to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ. So why, again, is the blood of Jesus so valuable to God? And I'm going to give us a little history, history of the Old Testament because the Old Testament and the New Testament, they go hand in hand. They are like a glove. And in the Old Testament shares about why the blood was important in the Old Testament to God. And we're going to then see how it applies to the truth today. Now what I'm going to do, if you want to study this yourself, I am not going to read all of Leviticus 16 today. But if you want to write in your notes, Leviticus 16, another one is Exodus chapter 12. I think it's verse 16 on that, or 12, um, yeah, 12, 13, Exodus 12. I'm going to reference these two places in the Word of God in the Old Testament, and then I'm going to, I'm going to bring them together in the New Testament, because this is really neat stuff. So we realize that the blood is always connected to atonement in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word atonement, again, if I go back... To the, uh, you know what atonement is. He's atoned for you. So in Leviticus 16, there was what they, they did it every year. It was called the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, what they would do is the children of Israel, those who, were, who belonged to God, they would literally, they would take a, um, a, a bull. They would take, it depends on what, I mean, there was many animals that were allowed to be uh, sacrificed. And it was based upon your money, basically, how, what you could afford. And they would bring this spotless lamb. They would bring a spotless bull. They would bring a spotless dove. And they would bring it before the high priest. And, and the way the church was set up is there was an outer tent. And there was an altar. And the, and the animal would be sacrificed 
on the, on the altar, and then the blood from that animal would be taken into the holy of holies by the priest. And so the priest had requirements that he had to go to through, and he represents Jesus Christ in our day-to-day. He was the high priest that was taking the blood to the Father, and what he would do is that high priest would, would, would sprinkle blood in the Holy of Holies seven times. And he would sprinkle the blood for the atonement of the people's sin. That's what they would do. That was what took place in Leviticus 16. It's kind of interesting, too, that it was seven times, because what is the number seven? The seven is completeness. It's spiritual perfection. And so Jesus was, it was a type and shadow of what Jesus has done for us in the New Testament. He has spiritually made us perfect. He has spiritually made you perfect as he sprinkled his blood on you. And so that blood was sprinkled to make atonement for the sins of God's people. And it was presenting of that blood to God. And God deemed that blood acceptable. God seen that blood as acceptable. And he would then forgive the people of their sins until the next year. Wow. Wow. So every year, the Day of Atonement comes in the Jewish calendar, and they celebrate the Day of Atonement. And in Exodus chapter 12, we also know the children of Israel, they were in bondage to to Egypt for 400 years, and God was in the process of delivering delivering them out out of bondage, right? He was freeing his people, and Moses was going, and he was going to set God's people free. And before they leave Egypt... God tells Moses to sacrifice a spotless lamb and to take the blood from the lamb and to put the blood on the doorpost of their house and they were to eat the lamb inside and, 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 and when, when the death angel came through, the death angel would see the blood applied to the doorpost and he would pass over you. And so, again... God required blood. God required the blood to be applied to the doorpost of the children of Israel's home. And they were freed. And God sent them out of Egyptian bondage and he freed the children of Israel. And those who had the blood of Jesus or blood of the lamb applied, they were passed over. And that's why we call it Passover in the Jewish, in the Jewish, um, yes, you know what I'm talking about. And so the blood was not presented to man, but the blood was presented to God. Again, the blood is for who? God. The blood is what satisfies God. It is God's holiness and his righteousness that demands a sinless life and blood to be given for man. It's God's requirement. He could have required a tesla. Or a Harley Davidson, I guess. He could have required uh, 14 chariots and, and a Rolls Royce. I don't know. But God chose sinless life. God chose blood. It was God's requirement. It's his requirement. I can't tell you why he made that a requirement. That is his requirement. 
And so if we are going to come to the value and the understanding and the power and the completeness of the blood of Jesus, we have to accept by faith what God requires. <laughs> Watchman C. Nee says in his book again, there is life in the blood. And that blood has to be poured out for me and for my sins. God is the one who requires it to be so. God is the one who demands that the blood is presented in order to satisfy his own holiness and his righteousness. And it is he who says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The blood of Christ wholly satisfies God. And so when he sees you and he sees the blood applied to you, what does he do? He passes over you. He doesn't give you what your sins deserve. He, he, he extends his grace and he says, you're spiritually perfected in my son's blood. I see the blood is what he says. He sees the blood. See, your sin is not larger than the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care what crap you're involved in. I don't care how dark and demonic you've allowed yourself to get. Your sin is never too much for the blood of Jesus because God says it's not. God says the value of the blood is higher. If you will receive the blood of Jesus, if you will receive the sacrifice that has been made for you, you can be made right with God. Holy, clean, purified. You must come to an understanding and valuation of the blood of Christ. The blood is for us in the sense that we receive freedom, right? But the blood, again, is primarily to satisfy God. The blood is for God to see. And so we must accept and believe this. Church, I, I, I tried to come up with an object lesson. How can I, how can I get people to understand the, the value that God places on the blood? I was like, wow, you know, I, I sold a car recently, and it was like, I set the value of what I thought the car was worth. And I put it on the market, and I said, this is what I want for it. People tried to Jew on me. They tried to say, I'm not going to give you that much. Hell, would you take this? Would you take that? But I set the value of what I sold that car for. And I said, the value of this car based upon what I believe it's worth is this. And God, and that is such an inferior way of describing the blood of Jesus. But what God is saying is, you don't understand how I value my son. You don't understand the value of relationship that I have with my son. You don't understand, I've set the value really high. I've set the bar really, really high. The price that was paid for you is the blood of my son. My one and my only son. The value of the blood is enough. And by faith, we must appropriate that. By faith, we must receive that. Otherwise, if you're condemning yourself over your sin and your shortcomings, what you're doing is you're actually saying the blood of Jesus was not adequate. You're saying that the price that Christ paid was not enough. That my sin is worse than that. So you smear, you devalue the blood of Jesus when you think you're that bad. 
you ain't that bad. And the reason you're not bad is because he loved you so much that he literally gave his one and only son. His blood was poured out for you. That also tells us of the value that we have. That God loves Chad that much that he would allow his son to be sacrificed and the blood shed. I mean, for you and me, I mean, we ain't nothing. But we are. We're not, but we are. I'm nothing, but I am. Are you guys with me on this? Am I making any sense? It is by faith in God's word and what he determines the value of the blood to be. We must believe that the blood is precious to God because he says it is. See, God sets the value. How many songs are there about the blood of Jesus? His son's blood set the ransom for you. Karen and I were watching Patty Hearst several weeks ago and they had kidnapped her and set a high ransom for her. Dad was a millionaire, you know, and they wanted a million dollars and a million dollars given to charity and all kinds of stuff. They were playing games. But the ransom price was set at like a million dollars when it started. Anybody remember that story back in the 70s? God set a ransom price on you. He put the ransom price as high as he could get it. He set the ransom price as his son's blood. Okay. Put it in terms today. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same thing with my son Joel today. He's in South Africa right now on a mission trip. I'll let his blood be used to redeem you. Put your own kid in there. How hard would that be? Your one and only son. I really have pretty high affections for my son, Joel. I'll I'll sprinkle his blood on the altar for you. I'll use Abraham's blood. I'll use Rebecca's blood. See, we love imperfectly. I am such an imperfect father. And I understand what it would take to sacrifice my own son. son's blood was the price of your ransom. The son's blood was your redemption. The son's blood was your atonement. The son's blood was your justification. The son's blood made me innocent. The blood was for God. And God placed a really high value on your life 
and your love. And he said, I love you so much that I will atone for you through my son's blood. Now, First Peter goes into this and it says, for you know that it was not with perishable things like silver or gold that you were bought back from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. It wasn't through gold or silver that you have been bought back and redeemed. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah, let's go there. You know what? I have given God countless reasons not to love me. And none of them changed his mind. Because he sees the blood. I have given God ample reasons to not love me. How about you? And it didn't change his mind. He still chose to love me because he sees the blood. So my question, if God can accept the blood of Jesus as payment for my sins and as the price for my redemption, then I must trust that the debt of my sin has been paid for. If God is fully satisfied with the blood, then I must become fully satisfied. And I must accept it as well. And I must determine in my heart to appropriate that value to my life, that when I sin and guilt comes, if I'm going to remove guilt and shame from my life, I have got to understand the value of the blood, and I've got to appropriate that. I've got to give an account to it. And when I sin and I say, devil, shut your stinking mouth. God sees the blood. And I see the blood. I again receive the blood. I receive the forgiveness of God upon my life. And I appropriate it as truth. And I say, no, I have the blood applied to my life. Which then shuts the accusation of the enemy. Because it satisfies the heart of God. So if you keep beating yourself up about your sin, again, what are you saying? Are you saying that the blood is not enough? But today I wanted to talk, I'm talking about this power and this completeness of the blood of Jesus. And I want, to, I want to share a letter with you that gives this application to how we live out our relationships with one another. I've asked my buddy if I could share this with you this morning. He said yes. And I'm going to set the stage. It's not a guy from here. It's an old customer of mine from years ago. And I've been dealing with him because he's going through a divorce. And he wants to be reconciled to his wife. He desires for the relationship to be restored. And I asked him if I could read this, and it's just, it's just powerful. This is what he wrote to his wife. And I don't know if I'll be able to not cry through it. As he repented to her in letter form because she would not talk to him. She's given up. I'm done. 
He says, I realize now more than ever to the fullest extent of how I hurt you and what I've done to your heart and your emotions. My sin stole your trust. My sin stole the joy from your heart. My sin stole your self-worth and it devalued you as a woman. I desperately needed your forgiveness because I knew I could never do enough to earn your affection back after what I had done. I knew I could never be good enough to atone for my sin. The only way that we would ever move forward in our marriage was for your unconditional forgiveness for what I've done. When you see me now, you must only see the stain of betrayal. I need something to cover me. I need to be clothed in someone else's righteousness. Because sadly, I can't wipe away the awful stain of betrayal from me. The only thing that could take the guilt and the shame away was Christ's blood. Please see the beauty of the blood. Please see the beauty of his blood. Please see the beauty of his blood, his love, and his righteousness covering me. If you don't see that, then all that you will ever see is my sin, my betrayal, and oh, my sin is very ugly. For me to look beneath his covering, it rekindles only guilt and shame. I know that I needed a Savior. My performance will never be good enough. I need your forgiveness. I cannot earn it. I've really tried to love you, but please forgive, forgive me where I have failed. Please forgive me for the times where you have had to question your trust of me or the times that I didn't make you feel valued. Please forgive me for the times where work took priority over you. I did not ever want to make you feel like work was more important to me than you, but I can see where you would really feel that way. I actually wanted to be successful so that you would feel proud to have me as your husband. I love you unconditionally. Whew. Powerful. Powerful. See, this man knows that he's not good enough. This man understands the blood of Jesus and how he's appropriating that blood and hoping that his wife, soon to be ex-wife, possibly, if God doesn't intervene. And what the blood of God, blood of Christ means. So how are we to erase our past and live a shame-free life? I've given you four simple steps today. <laughs> I must understand the value God has placed on the blood of Jesus. I must, by faith, apply the blood of Jesus to my life and to my sin. 
and to others I've sinned against or who've sinned against me. And when I sin again, I must by faith apply and appropriate the blood of Jesus to my sin and receive again by faith the cleansing wash of the blood of Jesus. And number four, I must shout, I must shut the mouth of the accuser against me and remind him that I am not guilty. <laughs> I am not guilty because of the blood of Jesus. I am not guilty. And guys, we are working out this process of sanctification, of moving from, because God is not overlooking our sin. It's not that he overlooks your sin. He actually sees the blood and that the blood has been applied. 